finally, the XFL Fans Mode podcast is back. This time around, I'll talk about the hiring of Bob Stoops to coach and be the general manager of the XFL's Dallas franchise. Pep Hamilton very much looking like he'll be coaching and being GM of the XFL DC franchise, possibly already looking to his staff, according to some media reports. We also look at what's down the line, possibly in the near term for the XFL, and of course, you know, my breakdown on the whole XFL AEF potential fight ahead. This and some more on this XFL Fans End Podcast. So I just want to make a little uh, statement before uh, we fully get started with the show uh, with why I didn't, we haven't done a podcast for a while. Everything's been busy um, in my life. So, and plus a lot of XFL news going around until very recently, which we'll get into in a deep dive by myself and I'll let no co-host today. So, I hope, I apologize for uh, not having this show on for a while. It's been almost three months. The last show was right around the end of 2018. This will be the first show of 2019. Actually, a little bit before Christmas was the last show. This will be the first uh, XFL Fan Said podcast of 2019. So, we, uh, I hope to uh, have your support from now on. And we'll be trying to make this podcast come on uh, more regularly as we get closer to 2020. As, we, as it should, we should be getting an influx of news, which we're starting to get right now. And I think this is the final... The, the last break of XFL News was the final break. I personally think we'll start getting a lot more uh, news more together in a constant pace. Especially with the head coaches that we're starting to see now, which we'll get to in a second. But hopefully we'll get this podcast uh, almost every week. And obviously, when we get close, very much every week, possibly even more with specials and everything like that that we could do. So, again, I apologize for not having one, and let's start the show. So this week, the XFL made a major head coaching hire. The first head coach in XFL history is going to be the former retired head coach of Oklahoma Sooners football, Bob Stoops. Big deal. Best coach of all the leagues. Definitely the most successful most recently. Um, we got first-time head coaches in the, in the AAF. They have not been proven yet. Um, we got Mike Singletary with his infamous 49ers press conference. Um, maybe got a little bit of a hard shake on San Francisco 2010 maybe a little bit. Did have a 500 season there. However, that has was not able to really get success going out there. Uh, Steve Spurrier, long-time college football coach, both with the Gators uh, down in Florida and with South Carolina, had some coaching experience in the professional scene of things back with the USFL. He was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bandits um, and had a couple seasons with the Redskins that didn't go so well for him. He's had a very successful um Cultural career, both um, with with Duke, even when in a conversation with Duke, that was back back in the eighties. Um, Florida and South Carolina won national championship with South Carolina in ninety six. Won six SEC titles with Florida, so it's not like he was doing bad. And he's had a few years as well, where he was coach of the year and things that. And plus, a great player. A great player. First time All-American two years. 
he is probably one of the least, not the least known, probably people don't think of him as a Heisman Trophy winner, which he is. He was the winner of the Heisman Trophy in 1966. So, great player, great coach, but he hasn't had a success recently. Um, the most recent thing he's done is that he's won the SEC Eastern Division with South Carolina in 2010. He was the coach of the year in 2010. Um, plus, maybe he was given a little bit of a hard stick at South Carolina. Obviously, nowhere near the, uh, you had perceived to have the resources that you would at the Swamp. Uh, but, coming off where he was going, he already had a year off of football with the, after he got fired, I think it was fired by the Redskins. So, it's kind of a thing there where he, he might have lost his mojo somewhat after he came back. He had a build care South Carolina up. He won his last four bowl games, got a crappy start off the uh, season in, 20, in 2015, got fired halfway through. He was 0-4 in conference play the last time, the last season when he was fired six games in. Now, the thing is though, has he taken teams very well? Yes. 2011, he's 11 and 2. 2012, 11 and 2. 2013, 11 and 2. Won three bowl games. Part of his three out of four. Then it started falling off, and then that, and he got fired after bad seasons. He had to rebuild. So, who knows me with that? And then his Florida run is still absolutely great. I'm not trying to criticize everything, but he has not been as successful recently, and I'll get to why that in a little bit. And then we've got a couple of coaches that will bring up nostalgia for a lot of people in some ways. I Rick Neuheisel, whose success was definitely very much in the 80s uh, when he got that conference title. Uh, not in the 80s. The late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, got that conference title for Washington Huskies. Won the Rose Bowl in 2000. Uh, in 2000. But then did not have a real good time at UCLA. His last job he had was UCLA, and he, he was only able to get over the 500 hump once. And it was only able to get to the conference championship once. However, he won the division of like a 6-6 six and six record. I felt bad the Pac-12 South was in 2011. So he had a sub-500 record at UCLA. And he had good times in Colorado-Washington, but has the time passed up? This is actually, as well, his first ever head coaching experience in the professional uh, game. So maybe this is a whole new game for him. Who uh, knows? I'm not trying to be critical again, but I'm just thinking this would be his first time. Now, this would be Bob Sue's first time, too. That's easily counter back. But we'll get to that in a second. We got Derek Erickson. Again, another somewhat nostalgic-like guy. Now, let's not put it behind him. Two national championships, 89-91 uh, with the U. That was the heyday of the U. Gotta give him that. Um, was so close to being able to get to a... Th so close to being, getting a third in 92 with the back-to-back. -back. Uh, at that point, could have been in contention almost in 94 and 2000. And 2000 Oregon State. So, he was around there. His NFL tenures, ugh, not so well. He was always trading 500 with the Seahawks. He was always trading 500 with the Seahawks. San Francisco, he was trading 500 again, and then the second season, 2-14, and 14, he was dumped out of San Francisco quick. So, he's below 500 professional record. Uh, Mike Riley, former coach in Nebraska, I'm pretty sure this is also will be his first professional head coach. No, it's not his first professional. I'm sorry. He, uh, 
in the NFL, he coached in the nine in the late late nineties, early two thousands for the Chargers. That did not really go so well. He did do pretty well back in the in the nineties uh, for or late eighties, excuse me, for the for Winnipeg in the CFL. He won two great cups for him in the nineties, which is the Canadian equivalent to Super Bowl. And then you got Mike Martz, who's also coming. He coached the Rams, the head coach. There, he's probably the most successful professional football coach on anybody in the league, I think. Let me think about this. Four out of six years he was there. Playoffs. All the time, two, three out of the four times went to the playoffs, but it's the divisional round. And he lost to Tom Brady and the Patriots in Super Bowl 36, which became Tom Brady's first Super Bowl win in 2001. So, Mike Martz did have a great year. Again, he hasn't worked. This would be actually his first coaching job in eight years since he left the Chicago Bears as offensive coordinator in 2011. So it'd be interesting to see. I'm not trashing anybody or anything. Be interesting to see. We've had a lot of guys who have either not coached for a while, first time head coaches, uh, definitely successful coaches. Mike Moore is very successful in the uh, professional game. Steve Spurrier, very pretty decently successful in the college game. Dennis Erickson probably got two national championships. Steve Spurrier's got one. Uh, Singletary is trying to get redemption. Maybe he's trying to get a bigger league. And we got two fresh faces. I always like fresh faces. In the uh, in the professional game, Let's see Bob Stoops comes in though. He definitely has more recognition, I think. Definitely in terms of uh, recent, definitely in terms of recent has the most recognition of success. Ten Big Twelve titles, two national championship appearances. He lost one in 08. He won in two thousand. I'm back before the BCS of the Orange Bowl, undefeated thirteen zero. He's the most wins in OU history. This is his record at OU. 190 wins, 48 losses. One, and the pace he was going, he would have gone to 200 wins and 50 losses and had a 75% winning percentage. So I think it's a little bit less maybe now, around there. Um, he's only he's never even lost 30 games in, conf- in Big 12 conference play. Throughout his entire time, it's 121 and 29. His last years, he only, won, he only lost one conference game. There are decent, some, there is a decent amount of years where he's lost one or less conference game. And there, like I said, there was ten conference titles. There was a year where he ran the table in the conference and lost the conference game. The thing the Big Twelve uh, used to be, and they're trying to get back to now. And plus, look at his coaching tree. Coaches that are hailed, like Mike Leach up at Wazoo, assistant coach under Bob Stoops. You got Lincoln Riley, who is the heir apparent, who's been doing very well. Uh, Bo Pelini, who used to be Nebraska now, is very, a very decent FCS team, but Youngstown State. Kevin Sumlin, who's somewhat taken a hit in prestige after his uh, tenure at Texas A&M, but now he's coaching Arizona. Jay Novell is trying to get the Nevada team up in the Mountain West. So, it's he's had... The he has the tree. He has success as of recently. 
And the one thing you'll get is that he was under Steve Spurrier. He's part of Steve, Spurrier, Steve Spurrier's coaching tree. So you get that. However, successfulness is definitely... Excuse me. Success. No successfulness. That's bad English on me. Success is definitely under Bob Stoops' name. So that's what I do like that uh, about him. I think that recent, he fits in with the time more. I think definitely, if you look at name recognition, I think Bob Stoops tops probably probably all the AAF's head coaches. I think he does. Uh, football people will know. I'm not saying football would know. Football people will easily know uh, Mike Singletary, Steve Spurrier, Rick Neuheisel, Derek Harrison, and Mike Martz and Mike Riley. Might not know Tevin Coyle and Tim Lewis because they're first-timers. But they'll build themselves up. I mean, Tim Lewis has given a great opportunity. He's in Birmingham. He has the biggest stadium in the, in the AAF at Legion Field. So he has the opportunity. So it is uh, Kevin Coyle at a big mark of the ATL to show off stuff. Maybe get a big per- get back. Maybe get potentially contention for an NFL job or something like that if they do well. So that's their chance. But I think Bob Stoops definitely has more name recognition than all of them. As of right now. Back in the uh, back in 2000, heck no. He was the head coach who won uh, the second year. One transfer the second year of Oklahoma. National transfer the second year of Oklahoma. I think New Heisel and Spurrier definitely at that point still have high recognition because of the success they had recently then. Now, Stoops had the more recent success. And Stoops is hailed. He's definitely a coaching legend. I'm not saying that, again, not ripping anybody. Steve Spurrier, Steve Spurrier is uh, somewhat in ways probably more most of any of the other coaches. But yeah, I think. New Heisel Hamilton start New Heisel and Erickson, excuse me, kind of sort of very well known in terms of the history of college football. So that's my statement there. Uh, and looking at the uh, news that's come out over uh, the last couple of days is that we might have, uh, probably do have, uh, a GM and head coach for the DC team. That being. Uh, Pep Hamilton, who will be the third, who will be a, another fresh face, his first, would be his first ever head coaching job, either college or pro, which again, great for the sport, gets more people experience in that, and he's had a great uh, recent history. He's been everywhere, and I think there's a, and let me put this, he's been very recently everywhere, not everywhere. He's a very much offensive mind. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't know how I got from there to there, but very much an offensive mind. What has been quarterbacks coach for multiple professional teams, offensive coordinator for Howard University back at the turn of the century, but he's also his offensive coordinator for uh, Stanford when Andrew Luck was there, was offensive coordinator for the first couple of years Andrew Luck was in Indianapolis, then went back to Cleveland to be assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach when Hugh Jackson was there. And then he left to go to uh, with Jim Harbaugh up in Michigan for the last couple of years. So he's had tutelage. He's been under uh, he's been with Andrew Luck. He's brought up Andrew Luck through Stanford in his first few years with the Colts. Uh, he's had uh, professional experience as quarterbacks coach uh, throughout the history. He's been like Jets coach, Jets quarterback coach, Bears quarterback coach, Browns quarterback coach, 49ers quarterback coach, Bears quarterback coach. Uh, passing coordinator in Michigan, and now he's going to be taking his first head coaching job, it seems like, um, at Washington D.C. XFL team. And it seems like the rest of me, uh, it does seem that uh, all head coaches will be general managers in the new XFL. Because Bob Soup is going to be the GM in Dallas, and it seems like Pep Elton will be the GM in Washington, D.C. as well. So, that's my take on the coaching situations.
in the XFL right now. Phil, right now. Other announcements that could be coming down the pipe, it seems like. Uh, although I've touched this at the press conference down in Arlington on Thursday. It seems like there might be a TV deal coming out soon. We've been hearing that rumor every once in a while. However, it's never come to be announced. Uh, the rumors being that like two major networks might be vying for it. Uh, ABC and Fox. Obviously, CBS is out of it because of the AAF deal. And plus, any, the only problem would be anything NFL-related might be out. Um, because of the fact that it seems like the XFL might be hedging towards at some point if it gets successful enough. Being like, maybe staying in the spring, however, somewhat competing against the, the, the shield they call the NFL. Because uh, Overlook says, not a developmental league, and there's always been this hedge, and always, this hedge also just fosters the media to believe that the XFL will eventually compete against the NFL. And this rhetoric does not put anybody to... Like say, oh, they're not like the a what like what the AAF has done uh, with Charlie Ebersol and uh, Bill Pulling. Uh They have perfectly lined themselves up as the as very much so somewhat almost uh, the NFL's developmental league. They got games on the they got games on the NFL Network now. They have a lot of NFL players, and however, I do think that if the if the NFL basically turns the alliance. Somewhat in the developmental league, I think that idea would be way better than what they used to do with uh, NFL Europe, where it was the NFL's um, full control. They use NFL rules, then they put them in a different continent where football never really got a lot of popularity, other than the UK because they do sell out Wembley for every game they have over there in London. However, never really caught on. I mean. Teams were like couldn't get any attendance in Frankfurt and Madrid and Berlin, where the teams were at, and it was just not good. I think they have a team, teams in the state, and definitely at a time where pe there's no football on, so it wouldn't be directly competing against them, which the NFL Europe wasn't. However, you think about this in America, way more football popularity than there in Europe, so you have more chance to get leagues more organized, um, and definitely somewhat able to split their image from themselves. The NFL has been kind of ailing in its message the last few years. And times when the league is bad, they can always be like looking at them as some of the development league however not having that full stigma somewhat of the NFL in recent years um, with the countless number of controversies they dealt with. So back to what I was just saying. Seems like it could be a ABC Fox uh, situation. If ABC gets involved... Could that mean ESPN gets involved somewhat? Uh, I don't know about that. Um, the, the thing, a lot of the reason why Fox is involved is because Fox has bought uh, WWE's uh, SmackDown Live franchise, and I think they're putting either they're putting it on the main network or on uh, FS1. Some point, uh, some point this year, I believe. I don't really follow up on uh, the WWE. However, I do know that Fox did buy the rights to SmackDown Live and be in the race with uh, supposedly Facebook at the time, which I think Facebook. So it seems like that they will be going broadcast. They might. I still think they will go somewhat digital. 
mean, Vince McMahon easily does have digital arm with the WWE, with the WWE Network. Then maybe he could slot some stuff on there and bring those wrestling fans in just automatically with the WWE Network and not having to worry about like what the original league had and have like The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Jim Ross and Jesse Ventura commentating games and everything else. So you wouldn't have to worry about that while also just having the games on there and possibly football fans paying that. And maybe you'd be working out for both towards the end. You know, it'd be harder for the football fans, I think, to subscribe to the wrestling fans too. So who's about that? Be a lot more wrestling on the tape of history than the XFL games. However, that's a topic for a that's a long discussion for Dan. Just trying to get through all the XFL news as quick as possible. Test that test games as well. Um, the spring league obviously coming up. That will be a testing ground for the XFL this uh, spring. See how that goes. I think it was a great idea to see that because both maybe they can get players. And they'll be testing the rules. It's a perfect idea for them. And plus, it easily bring more attention to the Spring League this year. Spring League only has four teams. And showing off the XFL and its rules for the release of beta version of them this spring definitely will create some buzz around that league. I think a good bit of people are going to want to watch to see what the, at least this draft of XFL rules will look like. It'll be interesting to see when they come down. We'll have Hopefully, we'll have a discussion about that then. As uh, well. Alliance American Football also starts tonight as of recording on uh, CBS 8 o'clock. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see what the AAF does. The AAF does have some kickoff innovation with them, and I'm pretty sure uh, they, they eliminated the kickoff. The XFL is going to look like they're going to keep the kickoff, but in terms of uh, changing it, the NFL obviously has the original style kickoff other than moving up five yards so they can increase touchbacks. By theory, then if you increase touchbacks, there'll be less runouts, and less runouts would equal less uh, possible concussions on the runner and everybody else. That was, I think, the theory of moving the kickoff from the 30 to the 35 uh, a few years ago. The AAF, I'm pretty sure, is eliminating the kickoff. The XFL is going to keep the, keep the kickoff, but in terms of modifying it so it'll be more safe, less concussions, and more free free running through to be the concussion possibility. So that's what that is. I think that's where <coughs> excuse me. All what comes in this press conference is we want to keep football familiar but also different and unique. Is that we'll keep the kickoff, however we'll make it different and be unique from say the NFL or the AAF and all that. So that's my that's my thinking of where they're getting that from. Also is the I've heard the question Will the AAF and the XFL compete at some point? Naturally, by the laws of business, it seems somewhat inevitable in terms of what professional football history has been that the AAF and the XFL will possibly or decently likely will come into conflict with one another at some point. At some point. That is decently likely, in my opinion, because of fresh football history. Um, if you look at it, basically every professional league that has formed since the National Football League has collided with the NFL. Uh, the All-American Football Conference back in the 40s and 50s collided with the NFL and they merged. Uh, everybody, the most famous, NFL, the, um, most famous 
professional football fight, the NFL versus the AFL in the 60s and early 70s. And again, uh, uh, NFL completely merged with the AFL. And then you have, in the 80s, the NFL versus the USFL. USFL being the first real spring league uh, that really competed for years. And then they tried to move the fall, spearheaded by Donald Trump. And the whole antitrust thing. And they came with one court, the whole antitrust thing. And they only, the US only got one daughter, and they folded. And then there's also other attempts. The World Football League in the 70s was a complete mitigated disaster. Yes, the NFL. The CFL tried to spread into America. They had a team in Baltimore for a few years. One year, which actually won the Grey Cup. And then they went pulled back out. They pulled back out as well. So it tends to be where professional football leagues happen. And when they tend to get a big financial backing, and they tend to get a lot more thing. More like publicity, not like the small, not like the spring leagues only has four teams on the internet, but like actual like big network television deals, like what the AF has with CBS and CBS Sports Network. They're going to try to avoid any attempt to fight with the NFL because they got games on the, on the NFL network. What the XFL could do is get big television deals, except they're not going to have the NFL buying backing because they've already got a spring league to back the AEF. And plus, they don't want. It seems like they don't want to be with the NFL anyway. So. Eventually, either through the NFL, either through the XFL, will find the AAF, maybe because of the developmental league thing, but who knows? It's just, I think it's natural for professional football leagues to fight against each other and see which one puts the other out. However, maybe it's different nowadays. Who knows? Well, this is episode four of the XFL Fans Podcast. Uh, when we try to, I, again, I apologize for having, like, so long in between episodes. We're trying to get somebody to... We're trying to get co-hosts back in, obviously. We're trying to get the shows out every week. So, have a nice time. Until next time, this is the XFL Fans Podcast. Yep. Yeah.